Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Vance Alvitz. Vance is a minor league player in the St. Louis Cardinals organization. He's also running Gloves for Troops, an endeavor to provide baseball gloves to military service members around the globe. You can give Vance a follow on Twitter at Vance Alvitz. That's A-L-B-I-T-Z. Vance, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Ross. Well, Vance, let's start at the beginning, I guess. Tell me what initially attracted you to baseball in the first place. Uh, I started playing baseball when I was probably six years old. Um, it's kind of something that has always kind of gone through my family. My brother, my older brother played, my dad played. So when I was growing up, I was always going to my uh, baseball practices with my brother or playing catch with my dad in the front yard. And, you know, just, I immediately liked it and I immediately saw that I was pretty good at it. So it kind of, uh, interested me and I started playing a lot and practicing a lot. And that's kind of how it started. We all start playing sports as a kid, and uh, for most of us, it's just a recreation. When does playing baseball become more than a recreation? When did you hit a point where you thought that this was something you could do professionally? I think I started thinking that probably when I was a a junior in college or so. Um, My goal my entire life was just to play college baseball. So, you know, and I had that goal since I was a really, really young kid. I know I always wanted to... uh, go to the Stanford baseball camp because I know there's so many scouts there and I just wanted to play college baseball so in high school that was my goal when it actually happened and I was playing in college um, when I started realizing I was one of the better players in college then I started turning uh, my new goal into playing at the professional level so you know probably junior and senior year that was my main focus. You weren't drafted out of college did that deter your motivation at all? Did that uh, make you think for a moment that you weren't going to be a professional player? Uh, you know what? It sort of did. You know, I had such a such a lofty goal, and I was talking to, to, to some teams out of college, and when it didn't happen, I was, I was pretty devastated. I actually decided that I was going to stop playing. And uh, one night, one of my friends, uh, he had a talk with me, and he said, he said, you know, I feel like you kind of quit you were the best player on our team and it didn't happen and, and you kind of quit. And I'm a little disappointed in that. And he made me realize that, uh, you know, I was making a mistake by not trying. So I ended up going to independent ball for, for uh, two years. I was getting calls from different teams to go play for him. And I went out to Nebraska and played for two years and then uh, ended up playing well enough where I ended up uh, signing with the Cardinals. We'll talk more about your minor league career and your playing career, but I want to get into your Gloves for Troops project. Tell me about the program and how it came to be. You know, in November, I was reading an article on a soldier, and uh, he said he wanted uh, a couple baseball gloves and a baseball because uh, he and one of his buddies wanted to play catch out in Afghanistan. So when I read that, I kind of got this idea where I could could, uh, send, you know, multiple gloves because I know I had a few in my closet. I've had so many teammates that I I was so sure were in the same boat as me where they've just got gloves laying around and, you know, we're not even using them. They're just kind of being wasted here. And, and uh, there's people out there in Afghanistan who that was the number one thing that, that this guy wanted. So I, I felt like someone needed to kind of organize it and I was in the perfect situation to do it. How many gloves have you been able to give away so far? Uh, so far, we've got about 550 shipped off. Um, the next couple of weeks should be 
should be really good as well. The goal was a thousand when I started and when I started it, it almost seemed kind of like an unrealistic goal, you know, just kind of just to put it out there and, and something big to shoot for. And, uh, in the next couple of weeks, there's a good chance that it's going to happen just because of how many people have promised me gloves, how much donations I've gotten. I've gotten a couple of good articles written on the program. So the awareness of it has kind of spread throughout the country. And, uh, yeah, I think the thousand goals is going to be something that's going to definitely be possible. What kind of reaction have you received from the servicemen and women who've received the gloves? Everything's been really positive. You know, I've gotten emails from soldiers out there who have just said, you know, thank you. And, and you don't realize how big of an impact it's having because when these guys get boxes or these guys get stuff, you know, it makes them feel like people actually care about them. And, uh, uh, I've gotten some emails from soldiers asking for gloves. I've gotten for I've gotten some emails from retired army people, you know, who just said just to continue it if I can because, you know, they wish they had something like that when they were in the service. Uh, it's been really really positive and and it definitely kept me motivated to continue just just hearing people's uh, feedback. People can donate and find out more information about Gloves for Troops at glovesfortroops.com. That's gloves, the number four, troops.com. That link will also be up on my site as well, along with this interview. Vance, let's uh, go back to playing baseball a little bit. We're getting close to spring training. Tell me what this time of year means to you and what kind of routine you're already getting yourself into. This is my favorite time of the year, without a question, because... um, you know, the last month before heading to spring training, it's kind of, for me at least, I kind of try to isolate myself from, you know, you know, friends, I mean, not friends and family, but a little bit, you know, I, I don't go, I don't go out really. I, I kind of uh, have a set schedule of what I want to do. I'm at the field for most of the day. Uh, I'm getting in my lift, I'm getting in my conditioning and just the uncertainty of, of what the year is going to bring and and how close we're coming, uh, you know, to, to actually playing ball and being back in Florida. I just absolutely love this time of year. You know, it's it's uh, it's excitement. You can you can start feeling the weather starting to change a little bit. And you know, I've always said, I've always wondered why. Like you always question why you live, and then <laughs> the first pitch of uh, of season starts, and then you kind of remember, okay, this is. This is why I'm alive. It's baseball season. So I'm really, really excited. Tell me a little bit about day-to-day life as a minor leaguer. Is being a professional ball player and being in the minor league system what you expected it to be? I don't think I expected anything when I went into it. Um, You know, at first it was really, really difficult because I went from college baseball where I was the team captain to professional baseball where nobody really... Nobody really gives you respect. You have to earn your respect in professional baseball. And and you have to earn your respect in any any new area you go into. But but it was really, really, really difficult for me. I know the first month was tough. You know, there's so many things you have to learn. And you just kind of hope that there's an older player on the team that helps you out because there are so many things you've got to learn. Uh, it's really difficult at times, you know, staying in hotels, especially – you know, I see these guys that get drafted out of high school and people don't understand how hard it is. This is going to be their first time away from home and and they're pretty much by themselves. They're spending time in hotels. They're spending long 
hours on the bus. And, you know, I mean, if you have a bad game, it's like, geez, what's, what am I doing with my life right now? Um, but now that I've done it, this is going to be my third year with the Cardinals and my fourth year in professional baseball. So it's like, I've learned a little bit, you know, how to cope with the stress and loneliness at times. So, you know, I, I really, really enjoy it now. I kind of love the freedom of being on the road and, uh, you know, staying in hotels and it's kind of a lifestyle that I've really started to like. Vance, you were a star player in high school and a star player in college, but now you go to professional ball where everyone was a star player in high school or a star player in college if they went to college. What was the biggest jump through the minor league system? The biggest jump, without question, is, is between single A and double A. You know, and, but before single A, you're, you're going up against a lot of raw talent. Um, and then all of a sudden you get to double A and it's like, all of a sudden everybody is good. Everybody is really, really good. You know, you don't, you don't have any bad players in double A. They're there for a reason. And to be honest, if you're in double A, you're a legitimate big league prospect. Even for going from double A to triple A, you know, talent wise, I felt like the only difference was age and experience. There wasn't, there wasn't a huge difference. Uh, but, but going from single A to double A was almost like, you know, you're playing with younger, younger players and then going to double A, it's like, well, now you're playing with men, you know, men who are le- pretty legit at baseball, talent wise, experience wise, uh, just big league prospects. That's the best way I could say it. One of those prospects was your teammate last year, Oscar Tavares. He's widely considered one of the best prospects in the game. Give me a little scouting report on Oscar. How good can he be? One, he projects as a as a big league all star in the in like in the near future. He's got all the tools. He's got good speed. He's got good arm. He's got uh, power. He's got hitting for average um and he's just a he's just a baseball guy he's like a savvy savvy player uh he works hard he's in the cage with his routine every single day before the game uh he's just he's a good guy too i mean i love playing with him there were so many times where i where i you know kind of made a note about something he did because you know you can you can look at a player and just say okay that guy's gonna be an all-star in the big league soon and he's definitely one of those few players that I that I say that about. Fan scout yourself. What are your strengths as a player? What are your weaknesses as a player? And what do you hope to work on this year? Uh, I think my strengths are one that I'm a good teammate. Uh, you know, I think people like being around me on the team. Um, you know, the effort is always there. I feel like I'm one of the hardest workers on the team. Defensively, I feel like they could put me at second or shorter to third and I will uh, be an above average defender. Um, I think things that you can always work on is, you know, speed and strength. You can always get stronger and faster. Uh, I'm working on controlling the strike zone a little bit, making sure I swing it at my pitches and, and I hit my pitches uh, in triple a is like, you have to hit your pitch. If you chase out of your zone then you've got no chance against some of these guys. Uh, but, you know, I'm just excited to continue getting better every day. Fans, we're seeing how front offices are using advanced metrics to evaluate players and to scout players. Do you, as a player, pay attention to some of the newer numbers like wins above replacement or true average or the defensive metrics that are out there? You know, I don't necessarily pay attention to it. I think the only reason I am, I am aware of them is because 
that's what the scouts look at, and that's what general managers look at. So it's something that you have to kind of incorporate into your game because that's what's winning baseball games. So if walks are seeing pitches, it's going to help our team win baseball games, and I'm all for it. Um, having said that, I heard Tony LaRusso speak a couple of days ago, and he said those things are, are great for, for getting players there. They're great for scouting. Um, same with tools, looking at players' tools. Those are great scouting you know, measurements. But what it comes down to is you have to look at a player's heart, and you got to look at, at, at the player's competitiveness because the point is to win championships. That's what every team is going for. They're trying to win championships. So you can get the players there with those statistics, but when it comes to who's going to play, and this is Tony LaRusso's words, not mine. I just happen to agree with him. He said, you have to look at how bad a player wants to be there, what kind of teammate he is, what kind of person he is, because, you know, that's that's going to be a winning team if you could get nine guys together that do that. Let's shift focus a little bit to performance-enhancing drugs. It's uh, always been an issue in baseball. It's been an issue in baseball, uh, you know, publicly and in the press for the last 10 years, and they were certainly in the game before then. Recently, over the last few weeks, we saw another clinic in Miami providing performance-enhancing drugs to players. Let me just first start by get your opinions on performance-enhancing drugs and how they've affected the game of baseball. You know, there was that time where they call it the steroids era and they call it that for a reason, you know, players were, players were using them and, and, you know, guys were hitting the ball farther and guys were throwing the ball harder. So there's no question they help. Uh, honestly, I'm glad that they're starting to crack down on them because uh, from a personal standpoint, a player like me who is, you know, different in size. I'm not as big as the other guys. I might not be as fast or as strong. I'm glad they're cracking down because I think I've got a better chance to make it the big leagues now because of it. Uh, you know, you look at some of the, some of the guys that are doing it and a good player turned into a really, really good player. And just from my standpoint, if I'm going up against a player who's taking steroids, then yeah, they're going to have an advantage over me. So, you know, it's not something that I'm, uh, for at all, but it's definitely something I'm, I'm uh, glad that they're, that it's been, you know, brought to everyone's attention and they're, they're really, really cracking down on, on how they're testing for them and, and, you know, pretty severe punishments if you get caught. How does the testing process itself actually work? Are you doing, is it completely random? Are you given any heads up as to when you'll be testing? Is it urine and blood based? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, completely random. You know, there's there were times where we would come in after a game, everyone was exhausted. We're on the road. We're ready to go back to the hotel and go to sleep. And you walk into the in the in the uh, clubhouse and you see the drug test people, and it's like, oh no, because you know you're going to be there for another two hours after the game. Uh, yeah, it's urine based. Uh, we did some, I think we did a blood test in spring training. I'm not sure if that was for drugs or not, but, uh, during season it's urine based and it's, you know, it's, it's like, they do it a lot. They, I can remember several times we were drug tested randomly throughout the season. Uh, at times we had absolutely no idea and we've had, we had no, you know, want, want to do it, you know, cause it's kind of, it's kind of annoying to be honest, but I understand why they're doing it. Uh, and I'm actually, you know, supportive of it, to be honest. We see every year in the majors a handful of players 
test positive. And in the minors, that number is often in the hundreds. Do you think there's more pressure on minor league players to use just to get to that level, to get to that level, the next level of being in the majors than there is on major league players who are already there? You know, I can't really speak in terms of a major league player because I haven't, I don't really know what that feels like to want to stay up there. I've got to believe that that's got to be a pretty strong feeling that once you get there to stay there. Um, I can say that, yeah, the, the pressure and the, and the drive to get to the, to the major leagues is pretty intense throughout the minors. So I can see exactly why players take them, you know, would I take them to do it? Absolutely not. Because I feel like if you can get there the right way, then, then, you know, you're going to, you're going to be satisfied uh, on another level than the guy who's going to cheat. But I mean, look at just look at money. I mean, the difference between pay and AAA and the difference in pay in the big leagues, there's no question there's a there's a drive to get there. And I think a lot of players would pretty much do anything to do that. Um, so, yep. Players who get caught, who test positive, often say they didn't know they were using it. That's a common excuse. They, didn't, they were using something that they thought that was a vitamin or a supplement. Are you fully aware as a player what you're putting into your body and what you're supposed to be using and not supposed to be using? You know, it's hard to say because so many people on TV lie these days. You know, there's so many liars. Um, I understand why the fans are saying, you know, they question everybody because there's so many people who aren't telling the truth. But to be honest, there are times where I'm scared to even drink a protein shake because I don't want to put something in my body that that's going to get that's going to get caught. They test for so many things now. I mean, there's guys that are getting caught for pre-workouts. You know, I mean, a pre-workout, you can go to you can go to the local like nutrition store and you can find 30 different pre-workouts and there's stuff that people are taking that are, that are getting caught. And then, you know, the second you get caught, people are just assuming it's steroids when in fact it's not the case. Um, so to answer your question, to some extent, yes, you know what you're putting in your body, uh, on another level, you know, it's no one's going to read everything they're testing for. They give us a list. I don't read, I don't read everything. Uh, should I probably, <laughs> you know, but, for the most part, they're testing for things that you have no idea what are in the stores, what is in what. So I just, I just drink water, Gatorade. I keep it very, very simple because I don't want to, I don't want to be one of those guys that just because he gets caught, you know, is associated with steroids. Vance, you mentioned earlier in the interview that when you first are becoming a minor leaguer and first in pro ball, that every player sort of needs a mentor, that older veteran or a coach that really helped them along the way. Who was that person for you? Uh, geez, you know, I don't think I had one, to be honest. I mean, I started in independent ball. There was a lot of guys on that, on that team who had, uh, who had played in, you know, double AA, A, triple A that I kind of watched, you know, no one really, no one really talked to me about it. I kind of had to, make all the mistakes, you know, and it was really, really hard. I feel like some guys wouldn't have been able to do that. So to be honest, I don't think I had, I had someone that I could say took me under their wing, but, uh, I try to be that, that guy to some people. Now, if they listen to me, then great. If they don't, then, you know, they'll learn themselves. But, you know, I feel like I kind of learned everything on my own. 
You've been listening to Vance Alberts. Vance is a shortstop in the St. Louis Cardinals organization. He's also running Gloves for Troops, an endeavor to provide baseball gloves to military service members around the globe. You can give Vance a follow on Twitter at Vance Alberts. That's A-L-B-I-T-Z. Vance, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Okay, Ross. Thanks for having me. That was Vance Alberts. Really enjoyed that conversation there. Vance is doing a great thing with his Gloves for Troops program. If you have extra gloves or if you have some money, you might be able to donate to Vance and to his cause. Uh, Please do so. Again, you can visit glovesfortroops.com. That's G-L-O-V-E-S. The number four, troops, T-R-O-O-P-S. Com. There'll also be a link on my site uh, along with this interview. So I thought Vance had some really interesting things to say. I thought he had some interesting things to say about the jump between single A and double A and how double A was the biggest jump he's ever experienced. I think his take on how he didn't think he would be playing in the steroid era at all um, was alarming at, uh, and, and very honest. There was some good stuff there by Vance. I really enjoyed that conversation. I, I hope you enjoyed listening as well. If you're enjoying listening to the podcast, please consider giving it a rating or leave some feedback on iTunes. That's how they recognize their podcasts and get more traction into their system. So if you'd be do that, that would be great. Uh, you can also visit my site, replacementlevelpodcast.com. There's all kinds of content on there that is not podcast-related. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Replacement Level Podcast. I enjoyed talking to Vance. I hope you enjoyed listening as well. I'll have a new episode up soon.